It is time for Plan B with Rebecca Davis. Uh, Good afternoon, Rebecca Davis. Good afternoon, John. I recently took my three-year-old to World of Birds, and I must say it was not a success. First of all, I'm with you on the captivity aspect, but also small children, in my experience, are very afraid of birds. (laughs) Something that often we don't think about before we expose them to giant-billed creatures. Yes, we also expose them to creatures with painted faces called clowns, but we'll talk about that a little mm-hmm. later. Yeah, Dali Mpofu. What does one do about Dali Mpofu? Is he immune to con- consequence for increasingly unpleasantly abrasive behavior in legal fora? Yes, and, you know, I was thinking about Dali Mpofu's long and distinctly checkered career. So this week, when Dali Mpofu went toe-to-toe with the former public protector Tuli Madonsela, Parliament's impeachment hearings for the current public protector, Busiziwe Mkobane, there were a number of shameful aspects in those exchanges. I mean, one of them was that Dali Mpofu accused Madonsela, who dealt with it all just I mean, so gracefully, and but also very robustly, I felt. He accused her of things that were not true in basic law. And as Pierre de Foss pointed out on Daily Maverick today, this is a violation of the legal code of conduct, and it's also not the first time he has done this. And Popo has a history of making comments, of making statements in court that he knows to be false, and his clients repeat them as fact. He also, perhaps more distastefully, repeated misogynistic insults towards Tuli Madonsela. Again, not the first time he's shown the side of himself in a public forum. At the Judicial Service Commission, his conduct towards the end of his tenure as commissioner was shameful. From ambushing Judge Dunstan Malambo with sexual harassment allegations during the hearings for the Chief Justice, to sexualizing Judge Mandisa Maya. I mean, his absence from the JSC has been felt as an absolute breath of fresh air. Last year, the Johannesburg Bar found him guilty of professional misconduct for telling his fellow advocate Michelle LaRue to shut up. He announced that he was going to appeal that. I'm not quite sure what has happened since, but it is a rare occasion on which he, somebody at least has tried to censure him for his really odious behavior. And the reason I was thinking about this, John, is actually to, because his conduct as a practicing advocate over the past few years is almost enough to make one yearn for the days when Dali and Popu worked in government. And those days were by no means a period in which he covered himself in glory either. Um, just to remind you, he started his career at the Department of Social Development under one Winnie Matikizela Mandela, with whom he was famously having an affair. In fact, he was cited in the court papers in the divorce of Nelson and Winnie Mandela as the main cause of their divorce, her infidelity with him. To cuckold the father of the nation is really quite a way to launch yourself into the public eye. But there, of course, he received unlawfully funds from the Department of Social Development, and that also set the pattern for his career in the public service. As CEO of the SABC board, he was fired after the broadcaster had received massive bailouts. He received a payout of over 13 million rand, which is really a, a point you know, at which the, the broadcaster's financial world certainly entered a precipitous decline. He also was head of the SA Boxing Forum or box, the Boxing SA at one stage, allegations of financial impropriety there. John, the more I think about Dali Mpofu, of course, in recent years also joined active politics as the chairperson of the EFF, the more I think that 
he is somebody who can only be described as a blight on the democratic South Africa. In, when he is in court these days, when he is not committing the kind of offenses I mentioned earlier, he politicizes cases to the point where he seems to be more or less overtly threatening judges with the consequences of what their rulings might be in the public sphere. You hire Dalian Poffo increasingly because you want media attention, because you're aware of his increasingly outrageous behavior, but also because you want a certain kind of bullying stance. You want a kind of thuggery in the courtroom that Dalian Poffo brings with him. It is well overdue that something of significance happened to this person in his professional sphere, that there's some industry body, please, that can call him to, to order. It is an extraordinary career and one that honestly I feel has, has tested the patience of South Africa for far too long. Yeah, and I suspect we'll continue to test the patience of the country for a fair bit longer. For some reason, um, he is seen as a bulwark against white monopoly capital and its black puppets. But anyway. Um, but that also, John, is kind of enraging because as I, I'm not a lawyer, but I've discussed him at length with, with um, friends who are lawyers. He's not a very good lawyer. You know, he is not somebody who is, in fact presenting himself with a plum in the courtroom and, 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 you know, raising the bar for other black lawyers. He is, he makes his way through, as I said, through this combination of kind of obfuscation, dishonesty and bullying. So the idea that he is the person you'd want to represent you when you are facing any kind of significant legal challenge is really beyond me. Let's move along. Rebecca, I am, I know I'm privileged, but I am um, about to book flights for an overseas holiday later this year uh, to Sicily. And so I've been looking at airlines uh, on which I could travel. And um, the most cost effective is to fly Ethiopian Airlines from Cape Town to Addis Ababa, Addis Ababa to Rome, and then Rome to Catania, where I want to end up. And that would cost me 17,000 Rand for the ticket. So I inquired of my travel agent, is there not an option on those dates where I would have only one stopover? And yes, Lufthansa, Cape Town to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Catania. Roughly the same amount of time from departure to arrival, but 12,000 Rand more expensive which speaks to the next story you want to chat about. It does, and it speaks to the kind of state of international air travel. I mean, you have my sympathies, John. Anyone who is even in the position to look at international air travel at the moment will be able to attest to how extraordinarily expensive it is to fly almost anywhere overseas at the moment. Certainly to do so without having to make multiple stops and spend days in the sky is almost impossible. And there's various reasons for that to do with the pandemic and the shortage of capacity in various aspects to do with parts and expertise and the rest of it. Basically, the airline industry is just getting on its feet. And now it appears that we're in a situation where demand radically outstrips supply. And this is the reason for the spiraling costs, the soaring passenger demand And that means that the international flights are more expensive than ever, at least until they catch up to that. But here's the thing. They don't want to catch up. And we know this because Lufthansa boss Carsten Spock said last week on an analyst call, the high yields, quote unquote, are just too much fun. John, when I read that, honestly, it just 
stuck in my craw so much. I mean, talk about like the evil face of capitalism to say how much fun it is that the airline industry is making all this money at the moment off passengers. And it also struck me how extraordinarily out of sync that man is with the public mood at the moment, to which I refer you to pop culture. You know, what we're seeing is this glut of TV shows and movies dedicated specifically towards expressing a real kind of hatred and contempt towards the rich, right? So shows like White Lotus, um, Succession. I don't know if you saw the recent movie, The Menu, this like really rather riveting black comedy about a kind of one of those very pretentious restaurants that you take forever to get into. There's this whole kind of zeitgeist at the moment, which is based on people's very real experiences of spiraling cost of living, resentment of you know, untrammeled capitalism, etc. So for the head of an airline to go public saying we're having too much fun with these exorbitant airfares, it seems ill-considered and it certainly is not in step with how the rest of us are feeling, I think. And what, Rebecca, inspired you to start thinking about fear of clowns, coulrophobia, if I've got the pronunciation correct, I'm not sure I do have. Is it a, a, a phobia you, you, you share, John? I don't find clowns particularly funny, but that's not a phobia. That's just good taste. I'm, I am the same. I don't have a particular phobia than myself, but I am interested in it because it, it turns out that fear of clowns is actually more common among adults than fear of heights, which is quite something. There is a clown I see every now and then in around um, Greenpoint Park, the promenade. He... he he does balloon, what you call it, balloon animals, but then he will sort of subside onto the grass in a very sort of decrepit fashion and sort of have a cigarette and <laughs> drink a beer in a way that you just don't want to be seeing a clown doing. And it kind of makes me understand a little bit about where these fears are coming from. But researchers at the University of Wales asked participants to complete something called the fear of clowns questionnaire to try to understand what is it exactly about clowns that makes so many adults afraid of them. They've come to the conclusion, John, well, eight factors, really, of which I think the main ones are that clown makeup hides emotional signals and creates uncertainty. I think that is very true. You just don't know what's going on under that mask. That clown's unpredictable behavior makes us uncomfortable. Again, I think they've hit the nail on the head. And then perhaps this is really the most critical one, that the negative portrayal of clowns in pop culture is actually what's got us here. And the, the, the major one there is obviously the Stephen King book, It, and the movie renditions. But they also point out that many people report being scared of the McDonald's mascot, Ronald McDonald, who obviously has not been, you know, tied in I'm pop scared of the food he's advising me to eat, but not him. Not him. I was thinking that there is at least one factual basis on which he's scared of clowns, which is the American serial killer, John Wayne Gacy, that terrible character who murdered at least 33 young men and boys. John Wayne Gacy actually was a clown, or rather he was a, a, a part-time clown. I'm not sure if it overlapped with his killing sprees. But if you're scared of clowns because of John Wayne Gacy, you're on solid ground. For the rest of it, it appears to be down to makeup and jerky gestures, I suppose. But if any of your listeners can tell us what lies beneath their particular personal fear of clowns, I would be very curious to know. Sinister is a word that a couple of listeners have used already, Rebecca, while listening to you. Thank you very much indeed. There will be another Plan B next week.